Welcome, everyone. This is a Council of Institutional Investors Educational Podcast. I'm Jeff Mahoney, General Counsel of CII. I'm here today with Professor Joshua Mitz, an Associate Professor of Law and Milton Handler Fellow at Columbia Law School. Professor Mitz recently issued a research paper entitled Insider Trading and Strategic Disclosure. Your paper is about Securities and Exchange Commission Rule 10b-5-1. So I'll start by asking you to explain for us what is Rule 10b-5-1 and what motivated you to write a research paper about the rule? Well, thanks very much for having me today. Uh, rule 10b-5-1 is a rule that the SEC passed in order to facilitate legitimate trading by corporate insiders. The backdrop for Rule 10b-5-1 was a debate over whether corporate insiders were permitted to sell stock while in possession of material non-public information. The courts were split over this issue. There was a lot of controversy. Ultimately, the SEC said, as a general rule, we will not allow corporate insiders to sell stock while in possession of material non-public information unless they adopt a plan which subsequently became known as a 10b-5-1 plan. The rule specified that a trading plan under Rule 10b-5-1 would be immune from insider trading liability if a number of conditions were met. The basic idea is that the rule had to pre-commit the executive to trading under a specified set of criteria that would have been known in advance, that would have been specified in advance, and that the idea was anyway, would be unrelated to the material non-public information that was in the executive's possession. What motivated me to write a paper about Rule 10b-5-1 uh, was the widely reported news, in particular uh, very recently, November of this past year of 2020, pursuant to which Pfizer CEO Albert Brula, so, uh, it was disclosed, sold as much as 60% of his portfolio on the day that Pfizer announced the phase three clinical trial results for its COVID-19 vaccine. What was surprising to me was that CEO Brula had sold so much of his portfolio pursuant to a 10B51 plan, a plan which by design under the idea that the SEC had put out in this rule, was supposed to be unrelated to information that the company was disclosing or that was in the executive's possession. So, Professor, why should investors care if Pfizer's CEO sells his stock on the same day that there's positive news about Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine? So I think it's important to remember that 10b-5-1 plans, uh, while they were originally conceived to solve a problem of insider trading, can facilitate broader forms of securities fraud, misleading investors, than insider trading. So one way to think about a 10b-5-1 plan is to say, well, you know, the corporate executive has committed to these sales and so they couldn't possibly be using a 10b-5-1 plan to exploit non-public information in their possession. But another way to think about a Rule 10b-5-1 plan 
is that it allows the executive to commit to a trading plan that is in some way driven by the information that the company is going to disclose. And while that might not be insider trading in a formal sense, it can still be a form of fraud. The reason why investors should care if Pfizer's CEO sells 60% of his portfolio is because those investors who are purchasing stock on the day that Pfizer is making this positive announcement are being, in effect, deceived. They are unwittingly trading against the CEO. They don't know at the time that they purchase shares that the CEO has set up a plan to cash out a large fraction of his portfolio upon the stock price increase. This is a kind of deception of the investing public. In effect, what the company is doing is inducing ordinary investors to buy on the basis of incomplete information. The incomplete information is that the company has a positive news disclosure to make while not telling investors that corporate executives have structured these plans so as to cash out at the same time that other investors are buying. The reason why I say this is undisclosed, and this is really quite critical, is that the content of these 10B51 plans is not transparent. Investors who buy on the day that Pfizer is making an announcement like this uh, will be unaware that the CEO or other corporate executives have plans in place to cash out upon a share price increase. And what my research has shown is that these sorts of situations are systematically followed by declining prices. Investors who buy on the days when corporate executives are selling after these disclosures are going to find themselves overpaying for securities as much as 30% on average. We see a systematic decline in the data, and that's because investors are in effect being taken advantage of. They are buying when the executive is selling and they don't know that. So the 10B51 plan is being weaponized, if you will. It's being, it's being converted uh, into, from something that was supposed to protect investors into a tool that is being used by corporate executives to cash out at prices that other investors are unaware uh, that, that they are, in effect, serving as the counterparty for these sales. Professor, in December 2012, CII submitted a rulemaking petition to the Securities and Exchange Commission recommending five improvements to Rule 10b-5-1 plans. Those five improvements were, one, companies and company insiders should only be permitted to adopt Rule 10b-5-1 trading plans when they are permitted to buy or sell securities during company-adopted trading windows. Two, Companies and company insiders should be prohibited from adopting multiple overlapping 10B51 plans. Three, 10B51 plans should be subject to mandatory delay, preferably of three months or more between the adoption of a rule 10B51 plan and the execution of the first trade pursuant to such plan. Four, companies and company insiders should not be allowed to make frequent modifications or cancellations of rule 10B51 plans. And five, Companies and company insiders should be required to provide greater disclosure regarding the adoption, amendment, and termination of Rule 10b-51 plans. Professor, give us your critique of CII's five recommended reforms to Rule 10b-5-1. And if you were the SEC chairman, what specific actions would you take 
to reform Rule 10b-5-1 trading plans? Well, I think all five of these are terrific reforms. I think it's important to remember that there's two different ways that a 10b-5-1 plan can be manipulated. And these reforms can be, I think, nicely combined with some of the proposals in my uh, article. So, so uh, the one way a 10b-5-1 plan can be manipulated is uh, by modifying or adopting or in some way uh, uh, implementing the 10b-5-1 plan while in possession of material non-public information. Uh, historically, in the literature, folks pointed to cancellations as an example or modifications, where the idea is that if I'm going to cancel a trade, I'm going to cancel uh, before good news so that I'm not selling prior to a price increase. So one way in which a 10b-5-1 plan can be abused is to uh, adopt or modify or cancel trades pursuant to a plan uh, while I'm in possession of material non-public information so that I am not selling before the price goes up. A second way to abuse a 10b-5-1 plan is what I document in my paper, which is to not disclose to investors that I have a trigger price or other plan feature that allows me to cash out uh, while other investors are purchasing on the basis of a partial disclosure. Both of these techniques to abuse a 10b-5-1 plan can go hand in hand. So for example, one could tighten the sensitivity, if you will, of a 10b-5-1 plan to a price trigger while in possession of material non-public information. And so your third proposal, uh, CII's third proposal, that that plan should be subject to a three-month delay would mitigate and discourage those sorts of modifications. But I think an important additional uh, proposal, which is what I describe in the paper, would be some sort of clawback regime that would kick in when executives have sold on transitory price increases. So I think what bothers people, in addition to manipulative exploiting, uh, manipulative exploitation of information uh, that is in an executive's possession, I think it bothers people that executives might cash out on price peaks that are short-lived. Uh, so that you know, it's one thing if 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 a CEO is selling while the price is going up and the price continues to go up. It's something else entirely when other investors buy unaware that the price is about to crash and the CEO gets to walk off with those profits. So I would combine these proposals with an additional uh, remedy that would claw back the gains obtained from ephemeral or short-lived price increases, keeping in mind that we already have a regime of this type under Section 16B of the 34 Act, which claws back short swing profits made over uh, six months or less. So I think putting these tools together would act as a powerful deterrent uh, against the abuse and manipulative and exploitive use of 10b-51 plans. That concludes our podcast episode. On behalf of the Council of Institutional Investors, I want to thank our special guest, Professor Joshua Mitz, Associate Professor of Law and Milton Handler Fellow at Columbia Law School. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please feel free to contact me at Jeff, J-E-F-F at C-I-I dot O-R-G. Till next time, I'm Jeff Mahoney. Thanks for listening.
Thank you for listening to this episode of The Voice of Corporate Governance, brought to you by the Council of Institutional Investors. The Voice of Corporate Governance is a free, non-sponsored podcast that highlights critical developments in corporate governance and other important issues affecting institutional investors. The views expressed by those interviewed on the podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CII or its members. For more information on CII and its policies on corporate governance, please visit our website at www.cii.org.